glad God's in charge and you're not. <laughs> well, I have an app for you today that if you don't have it downloaded, you need to download it as soon as you can. It's a navigation app. Uh, I have one built into my car, and then I have one on my BlackBerry. Of course, my eyes are so bad I can't see the directions on the BlackBerry, and you know I've got one on my iPad, but then I never have it on when I'm driving. You know, I'm a little worried about these cars that are now putting the iPad where you can look at your iPad while you're driving. I would really like them to watch how close they are to me while they're driving instead of the latest movie while they're driving. This concerns me just a little bit, but you know you have a navigation thing and he gives you the warning, do not operate this while you are driving. I'm trying to find a point of interest. I'm going 70 miles an hour. Give me a break. You know, so uh, the other day we were going down the road and, and my navigation system in my car has a demon in it. It's only, there's got to be a demon satellite up there. Uh, I think the communists put it in or something years ago. But mine, all of a sudden, I'm driving down the road, and every street I approach, it either says, turn right or make the first legal U-turn you can make. I'm on the interstate. So it keeps telling me, turn right or make the first legal U-turn you can make. Now, I've got mine set to the voice of a British lady because I just want it to sound nice when it tells me that I'm just clueless about directions. So Terry is riding with me. And so I said, this thing's not right. She said, well, just turn it off. I said, it's got to figure it out because it keeps saying, searching for a route, searching for a route. It's got to figure it out. And she says, turn the thing off. And says, I'll just get my phone out and we'll program it in here. She said, turn the thing off. She has a map in her, in her lap and she finally reaches over and she grabs my arm and she says, it's either her or me. <laughs> turn the app off. And we got there, I said, well, let's just, I learned real quick. There was one person that was intending on giving directions in that car, and it wasn't the guy behind the wheel, and it wasn't that unnamed woman that was inside my dash somewhere trying to tell me what to do. You and I need an app that helps us to navigate through life. Otherwise, at some point, if we don't get God's app on navigation, we're going to end up in a ditch or hitting a wall. Something will happen to us and we'll take the, a detour we should have never taken. We'll take what we think is the fastest route to get somewhere and we'll end up on some road that takes us where we never thought we would be. We'll take some shortcut to spirituality or to decision making as a family. And sometimes when we should be looking at this app, we think that app doesn't apply to us. And so we panic. It could be in the loss of a job. It can be in the death of a spouse. It could be in news that you have cancer or someone in your family has cancer. Uh, it could be in a wayward child. It could be in a down economy. It, it could take a thousand forms where it seems like you don't know where to go and what to do and who to turn to, where you don't have a sense of clear direction from God. 
how am I supposed to respond to this? How am I supposed to react to this? What should I say about this situation? How should I think about this? What book could I read? And I would suggest to you that the navigation book that you need to read is the Word of God because it helps you with life's detours. And by the way, every one of us are going to take a detour. Sometimes we take roads that are not very clearly marked. Have you ever been, you know, if you ever get off the interstate, by the way, I I learned this over the years, there is no way to get from Albany, Georgia to Augusta. Have you ever noticed that? You would think that this state would build an interstate that would go from somewhere in this part of the state and cut through because every time I get on that road, it's, it's telling me a thousand different things and it gives me four different options. I can get off in Macon, I can get off going to Fitzgerald, I can get off going a lot of different places and I'm just sitting there, you know, full of the Holy Spirit going, I just want to go to Augusta. <laughs> and I ended up at some minimum security prison the other day. I I wasn't being checked in. I just, my broken nav system put me there. All of a sudden, I'm driving in. There are guards there, you know, and I'm going, this highway used not to go through this right here. You're going to end up on some roads sometimes that you didn't expect to be on. And how quickly you get back on the right road and how quickly you learn to look at the map that God has given us in His Word is going to determine how you live. Now, here's here's the key. I'm here today to try to teach you how to stay on the right road and how to download this app. My responsibility is to teach. Your responsibility is to listen until I get through. Okay? So if you quit listening, you may miss the app that you need. So I, I want us to look at a very familiar verse. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5, and we're going to look at a number of verses in Proverbs, but Proverbs 3 and verse 5 has been a text that people have looked at for direction and instruction through difficult times for wisdom and how to live their life. And you know these words, but sometimes we know them, but we don't apply them. It's not enough to have the app. You have to know how to use it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Principle number one, learn to discern. Learn to discern. Learn whose voice to listen to. That word in Proverbs 3, 5, understanding, comes from a root that means to discern. It is closely related to a preposition between. In other words, when you discern, you discern between good and better and best. For the believer, the discerning is not so much between good and evil. It is between good and better and best, making the best choices. And so God's Word, when we trust in the Lord and we don't lean on our own discernment, but we put our understanding in who the Lord is, then we begin to get direction. Solomon had learned this. 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 7 will come up on the screen. 1 Kings 3, 7. Now, O Lord my God, 
You have made your servant king in place of my father David, and yet I am but a little child. I don't know how to go out or come in. Your servant is in the midst of your people, which you have chosen a great people who are too many to be numbered or counted. So give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, to discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? By the way, that was a great prayer for Solomon to pray. He didn't always follow it. It's a great prayer for a pastor, a business leader, a community leader, a mom and a dad to pray. Lord, give me discernment. Give me understanding so I can lead according to your word. He, he see, he's wanting to see things the way God sees them. Let, let me read you Proverbs 12, 8. You may want to turn there because we're going to look at a number of verses and kind of hold your place in Proverbs 8 because we'll look at several verses there through the course of this message. Proverbs 8 and verse 12, a man will be praised according to his insight, but one of perverse mind will be despised. Proverbs 12, 8 in the message paraphrases it this way, a person who talks sense is honored, airheads are held in contempt. <laughs> Sometimes you just like to read the word out of a paraphrase because you know God knows the people we have to deal with. The story is told of Thomas Edison who boarded a train, and as the ticket taker was coming on that train to take the tickets, Edison began looking in his coat pocket and his, his pants pockets, and he grabbed his overcoat, and he couldn't find his ticket, and the ticket taker came and said, ticket please, and Edison said, I, I, can't, I can't find my ticket. And the ticket taker said, oh, it's okay, Mr. Edison. He said, don't worry about it. Everybody on this train knows who you are. Just forget about it. And so he walked off, and he came back another time as they were approaching another station. And he said, tickets, please. And Edison started going through all his pockets again, trying to figure out where everything was. And the ticket taker came up, and he said, ticket? And he said, I can't find my ticket. He said, Mr. Edison, don't worry about it. We know who you are. Forget about it. We trust you. To which Edison replied, son... This is not a matter of trust. This is a matter of direction. I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> you see, you need a ticket that helps you figure out where you're going. Because if you don't know where you're going, you're going to end up someplace that you didn't want to be. And so we need to learn to discern. Secondly, we need to learn God's Word, Proverbs 3 one through four. Proverbs 3, 1 through 4. You see, the will of God is revealed in the Word of God, not about every situation. It doesn't tell you whether to buy this brand or that brand of toaster. God gave you common sense for that. But the Word of God gives us direction into the will of God, into the things that are essential for life. Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 11. Proverbs 8 in verse 11, we need to learn God's word. Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 11. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all desirable things cannot compare to her. Here's what God's wisdom is. God's wisdom is given to the disciplined, not to the careless. And we are to heed God's warnings 
And we are not to resent God's warnings. You see, sometimes when the Word of God says that God chastises us, that chastening word is not so much a a punishment word as it is a training word. God's trying to train us in how to think and how to act according to His Word. Principle number three, we need to obey God's will. We don't just need to learn the Word, we need to obey God's will. That's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Now what you're finding is a lot of these are attached around these verses in Proverbs chapter 3 with some supplementary verses to go along with it. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, obey God's will. He will make your path straight. Doesn't say he'll make you run off into a ditch, that you'll hit a pothole and you'll lose the alignment of your life. He'll make your path straight. You see, there's all kind of things now where you can get, you know, you get warning signs on the interstate. Lanes closed, two left lanes closed, three miles ahead. Or road work ahead, slow down to this speed. What are they? They are warning signs given to us so that we know how to obey the law and we don't endanger ourselves or somebody else around us. When we obey God's will, what we're trying to do is figure out what is it that God's saying to us about how to get down this road called life. How do we apply the things that are in His Word so that it's not a guessing game about how we live? There are no alternative apps. There's no plan B to God's will. There's God's will and then there's our will. You see, if you want to get to your desired destination then you've got to follow God's will. The only thing that, well, let's see, how do I want to say this? I want to be kind here. The only thing that ever gets to a desired destination by accident is your luggage on a flight. I mean, I am always surprised when I get to my destination and my bags are actually there. I remember we had uh, one of the Miss Americas here a few years ago, and she went to the gate in Dallas, Texas, and she said, I'm going to Albany. She showed up. She had on a pair of jeans and a T-shirt on Saturday. She had all her clothes and everything else in her luggage. Then it went to Albany, New York. And her luggage got here on Monday. Now, should she have clarified, I want to go to Albany, Georgia? Yes, she should have. But when you check the ticket and check the bags, somebody should have said, you know what, I'm about to send the bags to a different place than the person is going. I need to make a correction here. Obeying God's will is not an alternative route. It's the only route that gets you to your destination. Number four, be a giver, not a taker. That's Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now, what in the world does that have to do with finding God's will? Here's what it has to do. Jesus said in Matthew, where your heart is, your treasure is also. You see, if your heart is not for the things of God, then your mind is not going to go for the things of God. As long as you and I compartmentalize our lives, here's one of the things that we do in our society today. It's church and God over here 
and me the rest of the week. I'm going to give my mind and my heart to God and to the church on Sunday, but what I do the rest of the week is nobody's business, and I can do whatever I want to do. And we put God in a box and compartmentalized Him as just a piece of our life when He desires to be our life. You cannot compartmentalize God and say, well, God can't talk to me about this. You see, here's the deal. If you say no to God in one area of your life, then why should God give you clear direction in another area when you've said no to Him in a clear directed other area? I mean, there's the question. You know, if, if you're not going to obey the directions in one, on one road, why should He put you on the right road? Why should he bless you if you're not blessing and obeying him? So you need to be a giver and not a taker. You see, in this world, here's what we've got, okay? Everybody knows this. And shake your head this way if you know this. We live in a world dominated by an entitlement mentality. Shake your head this way if you understand that. If you don't understand that, you're not paying attention. People in Greece are rioting. People in Europe are rioting because they want money for not working. We have people occupying Wall Street that as of yesterday has cost people that do have jobs and are paying taxes $4 million to clean up their mess. Now, they have a half million dollars in a bank account that they're not going to have to pay taxes on. And nobody's going to supervise or organize how they spend that money. So they're protesting and occupying Wall Street in Atlanta and other places. Why? Entitlement. This world owes me everything. Listen, let me just be real clear. I'm going to let my mercy come out here like nobody's business. The only thing anybody in this room and on this planet is entitled to is hell. That's it. Anything else. Health. Money, a job, a family is the grace of God. Whether you're saved or lost, that's the grace of God. And, and you see, with the entitlement mentality, what it takes away is the Judeo-Christian work ethic, that you work hard, that you're responsible, that you have a servant heart. But when you say, I just want, I want, I want, and you give, you give, you give, and you never give back, how in the world is God going to give direction to somebody that only wants to pick and choose what they get? Or as Ann Coulter said, go back and live in your mama's basement, which is where most of them came from. I'm amazed that they have time. Listen, there are streets all over this country that could use some people to say, we want to make a difference in this country. We'll go by and pick up trash. We'll go to a nursing home and help feed some people. We'll go to a homeless shelter and help somebody. We'll go help somebody who can't bathe themselves. We'll go help somebody that can't feed themselves. There are all kinds of things that people can do, but protesting and sitting in a city park, forgive me, that ain't cutting it. And we're not going to edit that out of the sermon, by the way. I'm sorry, if you want God's will, quit thinking you have an entitlement and that you can demand that God give you whatever you want. 
You have to meet God's requirements to find God's will. Number five, seek godly counsel and set realistic goals. Seek godly counsel and set realistic goals. Let me just go back to that last one. At least the people in Woodstock left after three days. And there are more people that said they were, they were there than were really there. Oh, well. Seek godly counsel. J.C. Penney said, give me a stock clerk with a goal, and I'll give you a man who will make history. Give me a man without a goal, and I'll give you a stock clerk. Latest survey. 67% of people surveyed say they set goals. But only 10% of them have ever made realistic plans toward reaching those goals. Now you see it all the time. I see it all the time. What's your goal? I want to get out of debt. What are you doing? Well, I'm making minimum payments. That's not going to get it done. I want to go to college. What's your grade point? Well, I'm, I'm flunking three of my five classes. That's not going to get it done. You see, it's one thing to set goals. It's another thing to set realistic goals and work on them. If you want God to do something in your life, then set a realistic goal. Start doing something. I, I, I get swamped with people asking me to help them get their book published. And it's hard for me to say this, but quite honestly, folks, I wrote for 30 years before I got a book published. I got turned down by everybody. I mean, nobody wanted it. I got, reje I got more rejection slips than you can count. And when I say to them, do what I did, write an article in the church paper for 20 years, and just write and give it away for free and see if anybody reads it. Well, I was hoping to make money by doing this. Well, as Warren Wiersbe told me when I told him I wanted to be a writer, he said, being a writer means you get to choose which city you're poor in. <laughs> the average book sells 287 copies in America. That's of all books. The average book sells 287 copies. Well, I want to be a writer. I want, well, you know what? You should use spell check before you send me a sample chapter. And grammar correct might be another thing that you would want to look into. You, you see, you've got to set realistic goals. And sometimes you, you waste your life saying, well, I want to be this and I want to be that. Are you equipped? Are you called? Are you gifted in that area? It, it's kind of like the lady who went to John Maxwell one time. And, and she said, God's called me to be a Christian singer. So John said, okay, all right, we'll let you sing this Sunday. And she sang and she was two measures into the song and Maxwell said I'm sitting in the pastor's chair on the front and saying Lord are you kidding me you called that to sing and so she came the next week she said now that I've sung I'd like to sing again he said when God tells me he's called you to sing we'll call you <laughs> you got to set realistic goals Proverbs 15 22 Proverbs 15, 22. And by the way, can I just tell you, since I'm on this, <laughs> most people don't want you to tell them the truth. They want you to lie to them. Does anybody else ever sense that besides me? Or am I the only person in this room? Most people want you to lie to them. I mean, they, they want you to be their grandma. 
Even if the chili stinks, they want you to say it's the greatest chili in the world. Take it to the church for the next chili cook-off. Make us all sick. (laughs) Proverbs 15 and verse 22. Without consultation, plans are frustrated, but with many counselors they succeed. A man has joy in an apt answer, and how delightful is a timely word. Proverbs 16 and verse 3. Proverbs 16 and verse 3. Commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. Turn to Proverbs 21 and verse 5. Proverbs 21 and verse 5. Good verse on setting goals. Proverbs 21, 5. The plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage. But everyone who is hasty comes surely to poverty. you got to have goals. You have to have a plan. Number six, learn to be flexible. Learn to be flexible. Lean not on your own understanding. you got to accept setbacks and discipline. That's what Proverbs 3, 11, and 12 tell us. You see, most of us never trust God until we have to. We're leaning on our own understanding, or we're leaning on the opinions of friends, or we're leaning on people who agree with us. But if you're going to find God's direction, you have to be all in on trusting the Lord. It has to be the focus and the direction of your life. Drop down to Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 25. Say, well, what if I follow God's will and it gets me in trouble? Good verse. Proverbs 3.25, do not be afraid of sudden fear, nor the onslaught of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Can I give you just a little line to write down by Proverbs 3.25? The person God directs, God protects. The person God directs, God protects. This book is user-friendly, but it has to be applied. It gives us direction. It, it, it is a, one commentator calls Proverbs a return to reality. You see, when I seek the mind of God, when I download this app and when I use it, I'm not going by what I think is the right path to take. I've had a return to God's reality who is not limited by the time and space and moment in which I live, but he sees the bigger picture of my life and the influence of my life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, every GPS that works is set to true north, right? A compass is set to true north. If you're not on God's true north, if you're even one degree off, if you're not on God's true north, you're never going to get to the North Pole. If you're one degree off or two degrees off on a compass, what's going to happen is every step you take, you're moving further and further and further away from true north, and where you'll end up is not at the North Pole. You'll end up walking off into the Atlantic Ocean somewhere before you ever even get to Maine. Why? You're just a degree or two off. 
You see, true north tells us you stay here. North is north. True north is always true north, and you don't waver from it. We understand that with a compass. We understand that's supposed to work with a GPS. But we definitely know it works with God. That God never wavers. He never changes his mind. And, And so everybody needs a point of reference, and that's what this is. Let me tell you what a reference is. God is your point of reference. His word is your point of reference. This is the definition of a reference. A reference is the use of a source of information in order to ascertain something. It's a use of a source of information in order to ascertain something. In other words, this Bible is my point of reference when I don't know what to do, when I'm getting conflicting advice, and when I'm getting conflicting opinions, this book gives me true north because it doesn't say one thing one day and another thing a year from now. It's my point of reference. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Now, on the screen are going to be these words from Jeremiah chapter 9 and verse 23. Thus says the Lord, Let not a wise man boast in his wisdom, and let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for I delight in these things, declares the Lord. And then in Psalm 9 and verse 10, great verse, those who know your name will put their trust in you, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. That's good, isn't it? Now, there's a promise you can hang on to. If you know his name today, then you, and if you will put your trust in him, he will not forsake you because he sees that you're seeking him. It's not just that there's an app on your iPad or your iPod or your iPhone or your Blackberry. It's that you are so familiar with it that you know to go to it to get direction because you don't want to step out there on your own. And when you seek him, you find him and find his blessing and his protection, and he delights in it. Let's pray together. An author has defined discipleship as resigning from the right to own myself surrendering my personal sovereignty to Jesus Christ. And from then on, him being the commander, and I am under his orders. The psalmist says in Psalm 37, the steps of a man are established by the Lord. You could also say, and the stops. And he delights in his way, and when he falls, he will not be hurled headlong. Because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. I have seen young, I've been young, and now I'm old. 
Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging bread. The scripture says he will make your path straight. There's not a one of us in this room, not a one of us, that hasn't taken a wrong turn in our lives. And usually it's because we didn't confront the owner's manual. We didn't apply the truth that is there available to us out of God's Word. The book of Proverbs is not so much about heaven, but how to live on earth. How to walk this earth with wisdom, with discernment, with understanding, with true knowledge that comes from God. It really doesn't say anything about what life's going to be like in heaven. What it says is this is how you can live a life that pleases God on earth. And it shows us the contrast, the differences between the life that pleases God and the life that's lived for self. And so today, when we stand in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand up and to remain in an attitude of prayer. But you may be here today, and you need to trust Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. The wisest app that you'll ever make to your life is applying to your heart the fact that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. And we would love to tell you today how you can come to know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. It may be that God is calling you to be a member of this church and to add a new app to your life, and that is to be a faithful member of this church family. We can tell you how you can do that. It may be that you're here today and you're seeking God's will. It may be about who you date, about who you marry, about where you go to college. It may be about a job possibility. It may be about a career change. It may be about a health situation, a family situation. It can take a thousand forms. God has a word for you. And it may be that today when you stand up, you need to stand up and step out and come down to this altar and say, Lord, I'm tired of trying to figure this out on my own. I need your wisdom. I need you to show me in your word how I'm supposed to act and how I'm supposed to respond in this crisis, in this moment, with this need, in this situation. So as we stand and heads are bowed and Mark and the choir begin to sing, I'm going to ask you to step out and come right now. Don't wait on anybody else. Just step out right now. The secret in the quiet place.